Hey everyone, this is Brixie. Hope you're having a good day. I'm hoping, provided everything goes as planned with the technology here, to bring you a short devotional today. Before I jump in, just let me explain what's going on. David and I are really excited to begin teaching the college and career class this spring, but as most of you know, Sunday school classes aren't meeting in person right now. And hopefully that will change soon. We'll keep you posted on any changes. Uh, We're looking forward to meeting with you on Sunday. But in the meantime, we're just going to focus on bringing you some pre-recorded devotionals like this one. We promise not to make them too long. Give us five or ten minutes. We know that your time is really valuable. We're not really planning to do a series on any particular topic or book either. We're just going to bring you some thoughts some things that we feel led to present. And our hope is that you can listen to them while you're walking to class on campus or driving to work or whatever you got going on right now. Okay, so let's just jump into our devotional. Here's the thesis. The choices we make right now while we are in isolation, could ultimately lead people to Christ years or even generations from now. That's the thesis. Every good work starts with a thesis, right? Keep that in the back of your mind. Did you know, because I did not, that there is a connection between Daniel, the Old Testament prophet, the one that was thrown in the lion's den, you remember that story, and the wise men of the New Testament who brought gifts to a young Jesus. If you're a biblical history scholar, and you know who you are, I know who you are, you probably already know this. But I had never really given this much thought until a couple of years ago when Brother Miller was um, doing a series on Daniel for the Wednesday night adult Bible study class. So Daniel's story is one we all know pretty well. It's one of the first ones we learn and memorize as children in Sunday school. I personally can't think of it without replaying the VeggieTales version in my head, the one with the song. You know the song. But Daniel doesn't get tossed into the lion's den until chapter 6 of the book of Daniel. And there's much more to his life than what we remember from that one chapter. So taking a moment to remind you of his origin story, remember that Daniel was a Jew from the kingdom of Judah. We don't really know his exact title, but we know he was either a member of the royal family or somehow related to the Jewish royal family. But he was captured and carried off to Babylon as a teenager when the Babylonians conquered Israel. In Babylon, he was far from home, he was far from family, he was far from familiar traditions, and he was immediately immersed into an unfamiliar culture. The Bible tells us that King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon wanted to bring these captives, the best of the best that Israel had to offer, to Babylon because they were youths without blemish. 
of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace, and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. Essentially, they were really bright kids, and he wanted to completely remove their Jewishness and assimilate them into Babylonian culture as members of his court. Daniel and the other young men who were captured along with him, remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to name a few, were encouraged to abandon their beliefs, abandon their faith in the one true God. They were encouraged and expected to eat food that God had commanded them not to touch as Jews, and abandon prayer and other practices that were a part of their daily walk with God. To say Daniel was confronted with temptations would definitely be underselling it, but we know because it is recorded over and over again in the book of Daniel, that he was true to his faith. He refused to eat the king's food in chapter 1, and he refused to stop praying to God in chapter 6. Throughout the book, he refused to do anything that violated God's laws or his own conscience, conscience. And the Babylonians took notice. God took notice. And God blessed him over and over again for his excellent character and witness. So much so that by the end of the book of Daniel, if you've never read the whole thing, it's pretty good. Daniel went from being a captive to second in command. Babylon at that time was the biggest city the world had ever seen up to that point. It was a world power and Daniel was basically in control of all of it, second only to the king. That's quite a promotion. And it all happened because he chose to remain faithful to God, even though he was far from home and isolated from everything he knew and from those he loved. Okay, so where are the wise men in all of this? Where is the connection between the Daniel of the 6th century BC and the biblical wise men that visited Jesus a little more than 500 years after Daniel's death? To find the connection, you have to remember that King Nebuchadnezzar captured Daniel and his peers because they were the best and the brightest Israel had to offer. He wanted these young men to become part of his inner circle of servants, an inner circle of servants known as Magi, M-A-G-I. It's the Latin root for our word magic or magician. And these ancient Magi were not the magicians that you and I think of today when we hear that term. Back then, that name just meant that they were the most educated, intellectual men around. They were wise, they were logical, they were well-versed in chemistry, astronomy, mathematics. Essentially, they were scientists, they were philosophers, they were deep thinkers. And Daniel became one of these magi. But he didn't just become one in a sea of many. Daniel really stood out. Chapter 1 tells us that in every manner of wisdom and understanding, 
the king found Daniel ten times better than the other magicians and enchanters. And you know that wasn't a coincidence. It couldn't have been. Chapter 2 tells us that God gave Daniel the ability to interpret the king's dreams when none of the others could, and that set him apart. So if you're a magi from the time of Daniel's life until the time of Jesus' birth, you probably know the name Daniel, and you know his story. And you probably even know a little about his faith in God because Daniel definitely didn't try to hide his faith or make any effort to fit in with the other Babylonian magi. If he was willing to pray openly, to talk to the king openly about his relationship with God, refuse to eat food the king prepared, then it's probably not a stretch to assume Daniel was also willing to share his faith with any other magi who were willing to listen to him. So how did the wise men know about a coming Messiah? How did they know to look for a star as the sign of his birth? Maybe Daniel told them. Now, obviously, Daniel couldn't have told those particular wise men in person. He died four to five hundred years before any of them were born. But we know that Magi were intellectuals. They were keepers of knowledge, and they wrote things down. And Daniel was no exception to that. So if you use your imagination a little bit, can't you imagine Daniel sitting in his room in Babylon writing down everything he could remember learning as a young Hebrew in Jerusalem? Can you imagine him taking prophecies of old, prophecies that he had grown up reading and learning, the ones that spoke of a coming Messiah and of a star that would show the way, and translating them from Hebrew, his native language, into Aramaic? Well, generations of magi that came after Daniel's death would have had access to his writings. And they, although born into a pagan culture, would have had access to information about the coming Jewish Messiah. And if they held Daniel in high regard, which we know they did, they had to, Don't you think they were a little bit curious about his God, too? And curious about the Savior that he prophesied would come? I like to imagine these magi sitting in a library full of old, dusty scrolls that Daniel wrote. One of them maybe comes across the prophecy of the coming king, and then they all start planning their trip westward with excitement. That's probably not exactly how it happened, but... It's neat to think about. Do you think Daniel knew the impact he would have? Did he know that we'd be reading about his faith over 2,000 years after his death, or that his words could compel an unknown number of magi to plan a visit to the coming king? Probably not. But what an example for us. It's so sobering to think that the things we choose to do or even not to do 
right now could impact people 80 generations from now. I'm going to reflect on this this week. Right now, we're all sort of living a bit like Daniel. Some of you are away at school. You're a little bit isolated in a way. Some of us are here at home, hanging out in our houses, a little bit isolated in a way. And in some sense, with COVID-19 being what it is, we're all a little more isolated than we were. But maybe let's ask God to help us use our time, use our energy, the way Daniel did. Let's use it in such a way that we bring people to the King. Guys, thanks for hitting play. More importantly, thanks for making it to the end. (laughs) David's going to do the next devotional in the next week or two, so be looking for that. And in the meantime, just... Have a great week. Know that we're praying for you.